All right, so very special podcast today for Father's Day. Um, I have a very special guest with me today. He's a Vietnam veteran. He is the hardest working guy I know, and I might be a little biased, but the best dad in the world. Um, it's none other than my dad, Benny Stevenson. So welcome. Thank you, Will. And I do uh, appreciate all the compliments and I think you kind of stretched it a little bit, but uh, I might have once been a hard worker, but now I'm pretty laid back. Now you're now you're easing into retirement. That's right. Ten years late. Um, so this is your first podcast ever. Um, I don't know that you even heard the word podcast before I invited you onto the podcast. So um, we're getting a pretty exclusive glimpse in here, but really the purpose of this is just to talk through. Um, what it is to be a father and get your perspective on, um, you know, your dad, what it was like being a dad, and then now what it's like seeing um, me become a dad. So um, I kind of want to dive right in. You had me when you were 40. 39. 39. I mean, that's later in life compared to most people these days. Well, blame, so. your, blame your mom for that. <laughs> so... Were there any benefits or drawbacks to being 39, having young kids running around? Well, I think at 39, you're, you kind of mellowed out a little bit. You're not as hyper, but it's hard to keep up with kids at 39 versus 29. Yeah, <laughs> I get but that. But I did my best, and we had a lot of good times, especially at the baseball fields and basketball games. And Yep. Um, I agree. I mean, I think about the crazy thing that I think about, and I was actually just talking to Jess about this the other day, was, you know, when we were kids, when I was 10 or 11, you were 50. And when you were 50, you were still working. And you were working 12-hour-plus days doing road construction. And, I, you know, at the time, I didn't think anything of it, but it was – you would come home from a 12-hour day of being in 90-degree heat, pouring asphalt, and throw the baseball with me and Ben until it got dark. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know how you kept the steam going, but it's like I work a desk job and, and from my house, and I walk out of there at 5 o'clock, and the girls are asking me to do 50 things, and I'm thinking, man, crap, I don't well, know. You got a lot more. <laughs> you got a lot more... Uh, stress doing desk jobs i mean i could work all the stress off with well, physically you know i don't know if that's true i mean pouring asphalt in the summer is not well, there wasn't nothing easy about walk. it but i had two boys to feed and uh, play sports and i figured uh you got to get it you know there's no messing around you got to make the money while you can and because i'd be laid off every winter and then you so, go paint in the winter i'd paint in the winter i'm a painter by trade so yeah that come in handy that's crazy. I mean, it's crazy to think that you just never ran out of steam. It seems like you'd want to get home and say, I'm going to bed. Occasionally, but, occasionally that happened, but... Uh, I mean, I don't remember. I'll tell you what, for the most part, that was a hard physical job, and that's the reason at 53 I started thinking, I can retire now, but I don't want to take that big a cut in my retirement, which would have been like 10 or 12%. So I stayed till I was 55 and took a minimum cut, but it was well worth it. Yeah, I mean, it was, 
I mean, it was cool for us too. By the time I was, so what? What year did you retire? Well, um, you were how old? Two thousand. I was fifty-five. So yeah, that was so, eighteen years ago. Yeah, I mean, I was still in high school at that point. So yeah. you, I was in high school and you were retired, which made my life easy. I could ask you for rides everywhere I wanted. Yeah, but also, man, I could check up on you all the time. That's true. That's See where true. you're going, what you're doing. That's right. Um, so talk to me about your childhood. You grew up in Somerset, Kentucky, which um, in the 50s and 60s was not a Beverly Hills type of place. Um, so what was it like growing up in the 50s and 60s in Somerset? Well, it was hard, but I'll tell you what, when you don't know any better, it was a life of Riley, really. I mean, we had a lot of fun. A lot of fist fights went on with neighbors. And I remember when I was six year old, I had neighbors that, oh, they'd want to beat me up every day because I was a younger than they were. So my dad told me one day, he said, next time you come home crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. So after that, I was chasing the kids home with bricks, throwing at them and calling them SOBs and chasing <laughs> them to their doorstep. But we did a lot of fishing. My dad loved to fish, so we spent a lot of time on Lake Cumberland fishing, and we loved to hunt, so we did a lot of hunting. Yeah. I mean, by the time I was 10 years old, I was going out with a shotgun with my dad, squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting. And yeah. I mean, I feel like... Our, my childhood, I'm biased, right? But I feel like my childhood was best childhood anybody could ever want, right? I grew up both parents in the house. You guys were super involved with sports and activities and things that we did. We grew up on property. I could go run around and explore and had an older brother to teach me all the right things and wrong things in life. But it feels like that that childhood is more in parallel with the childhood that you had than my girls now, right? It feels oh, yeah. super a lot different. Of a lot of difference. You used to call our house the Amish house because we didn't have <laughs> computers and we didn't have games on the TV. Yeah. So you always called our house the Amish house, and I always told you you were doing fine. <laughs> so. Well, it's true. It's definitely changed a lot, though. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to even imagine being a young kid in a day's world with all the technology and everything. Yeah. So after you moved from Somerset, you ended up going to Vietnam. You went in the Army and, and served in Vietnam. And the crazy thing to me when I think about that is I know a lot of people who have served or whose parents have served and they live a very rigid, strict, serious life. I feel like you're the opposite of that. You know, like when I was growing up, I never felt like I had a drill sergeant over top of me. I never, I don't, I could just block it out, but I don't ever remember getting spanked. I don't ever remember getting yelled at. Like, I don't remember any of that stuff when I was a kid. So how do you think... Did the military shape you in any way for fatherhood or did it show you what you didn't want to be or how did that influence you when you became a dad, that background? Well, I think the military taught me a lot as far as appreciate 
appreciating what you've got. Yeah. Appreciating that nice bed you got. I never knew how much I appreciate it till you're on guard duty sitting out in the pouring down monsoon season in Vietnam soaking wet and yeah. thinking, man, I'd love to be home in that be- nice, comfortable bed. But I think this, I don't know how it really, I mean, I guess the way it shaped me as far as being a father would be just learning to appreciate things yeah. and te- try and teach your kids to appreciate stuff. Yeah. And I can say one thing. I feel like the only way I made it through Vietnam with grace and and the military and getting out was I had a lot of people praying for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's really what got me through. Yeah. I, my mom was worried to death. and I tell the story about how your mom was so worried <clears throat> she tried to get your dad to go join the military when you enlisted. <laughs> oh, boy, that wouldn't have been good. Yeah. Uh, so... Well, that's... Well, I didn't enlist. I got drafted. Yeah. Um, I was. They had a lottery pick that year, so I was number 99, which I knew I was gone. So yeah. I left in May 10th was the day I entered a draft. And, but one uh, really good thing happened. Uh, if you left the military with less than 150 days... They would automatically discharge you because it wasn't worth their while to process you somewhere else. Yeah. And I had, uh, I extended over in Vietnam for 30 days so I could get out with 149 days left in the Army. So then our beloved Mr. President Nixon, he gave everybody that had an extension, he gave them the drop off of the extension. Hmm. So... I ended up getting out of Vietnam. I spent a year and one day there and got out 20-some days, almost 30 days earlier earlier than I would have normally if he hadn't given the drop. So the drop means that you don't have to serve that extra extension. Right. And I told the guy, I said, don't be kidding me, man. (laughs) (laughs) He was the orderly worker, and he typed up all the orders, and I didn't really believe him at first. And he said... No, you're leaving here in three days. I said, well, I'm done. I'm packing my stuff, and I'm catching me a flight out of this hellhole. So. Yeah. So how did you fly back? Was it you flew back well, on the military? I, I flew down, yeah. Well, no. Once you uh, you flew into, um, let's see, we I flew from a place called Fubai to Da Nang on a helicopter. Caught a chopper going down. And then we've caught a flight from, I think, Da Nang, a military f- flight, to Saigon. And then from Saigon, you know, it was like a regular airport. They had, you know, airline stewardess. Yeah. Of course, they weren't the best-looking ones in the world, but uh, <laughs> they seemed to get a little better as you got closer to the U.S. So. <laughs> but, yeah, I got to see a lot of different stuff. What was you know, the first thing you did when you got back? Kiss the ground. Yeah. I kissed the ground in Tacoma, Washington, where I come in the country at. And, uh, yeah, the first thing I did when I got off that plane, I fell to the ground and kissed the ground and <laughs> thought, home sweet home, baby. So how did you get from Washington? Did you get back to Somerset? 
after that, or did you come back to Cincinnati, or what did you do? Um, I went to Somerset. I didn't live there. I just went there, and then I come back here. I was already working here when I got drafted in Did you fly from Washington to yeah. where? Cincinnati. Cincinnati and then yeah. drove down to Somerset? Yeah, we stopped in thinking Chicago and maybe even Detroit. Hmm. Um, then we flew into Cincinnati, and I remember taking my uniform off and giving it to some guy in there at Shine Shoes. I said, here's this uniform. You can have it. Golly. <laughs> well, when you got back, it wasn't the most welcoming. No, there was a, you know, it, they never give any Vietnam veterans any praise at all for all the crap we went through. Uh, it was They were pretty pretty nasty. Well, was there, there was a lot of protesters then. Yeah, well, and they kept saying, you know, GIs are killing innocent children and, uh yeah, and that didn't go over too good with the hippies because that was right during the hippie days, and yeah. uh, and I can truthfully say I never, never seen any kids shot or anything like that. But so you you were there from what seventy to seventy one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty pivotal time in the country too, just from hippie movement and protests and war and yeah. That was a wild time. Yeah, a lot of people went to Canada, and yeah, then they got they stayed in Canada till they got pardoned, and then they come back. So, who do you think your biggest inspiration was from fatherhood? Was it your dad? Was it? Did you have? I mean, I know it was a pretty tight knit community in Somerset, but it's like, did you have other dads that you looked up to as well as yours, or? Well, I don't think he, I never look up to anybody as much as I did my dad as far as other fathers go. But, yeah, we uh, my dad had a lot of friends, so I was always associating with them. And, and you weren't real far apart in age. No, no, no. My mom had me at 15, so I always teased her and told her we grew up together. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she... It was a wild thing, I guess, when she was young. But she had a hard, hard life. I mean, my mom, uh, her dad got killed when she was only like 10 years old. And they had, a, oh, six or seven sisters and one brother. And so it was tough until they finally moved out of the country and moved to the, into town. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of hard, really. She had to quit school and help take care of the kids and. Yeah. Yeah, it was a... So, I mean, it was tough. It was tough when I was growing up. I don't really realize... I didn't realize how tough it was till I got older and, you know, I had kids of my own. I thought, man, if you had to have... If you had what we had... <laughs> right. I mean, we ate a lot of beans and had a lot of fist fights with the neighbors, man. I mean, I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood. Well, and what's crazy is you haven't... I didn't realize this until not that long ago, but you didn't have running water no. in your house until you're 18. 16. 16. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, no bathrooms. You Whole had different to, world. go to the outhouse. Then you had to set the big wash tub behind the heating stove, get that water warmed up, and uh, <laughs> take your Saturday bath before church on Sunday. How things have changed, huh? And my Lord, yes. <laughs> Um, what do you think the biggest lesson 
that you learned from your dad was? Is there something well, that stands out? I think out? my biggest lesson from him, my dad worried a lot. He grew up with a family that was always real negative, very negative family. And a lot of it, you know, he lost his mom at four and his dad at two. So he grew up with his grandma and grandpa with a whole bunch of really mean uncles and aunts. And he worried a lot. And one thing I learned from him is don't worry so much. Everything yeah. will be all right. Yeah. Everything will work out. But he was a he was a worry wart. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you embody that. I feel like you don't worry a lot. No, you know, I used to when I was younger. You know, I'd worry about where's the next meal coming from because when I moved up here to Ohio, I had thirty five dollars in my pocket. No place to stay, and uh, I got a job. Lived in a room, a boarding house, for a week, and the lady had too many cats, and it stunk so bad it was about to kill me. So then I got in, I went into another boarding house, and uh, then finally I, you know, got my own apartment and got a pretty decent job, and then got drafted. So I come back when I got out of the army. I come back to where I was at. Pretty much where I was at, I had to get a different apartment, but I went back to work at the same place. And then I quit that job and started painting for a living and did that for a few years. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I've pulled that trait out in myself. I think I probably learned that. I'm sure I learned that from you. I don't worry about much. And Jess and I will talk about it, and Jess, Jess is a worrier. She likes to worry a lot. Um, but we talk, we go back to when we were adopting the girls, and, you know, I never worried once. Like, I didn't have a single worry that something was going to go wrong or wasn't going to go as planned. I just, you know, sometimes you just got to turn it over to God and let him, let him lead. But um, we talk about that all the time because she would, be a nervous wreck and say how are you not worried right now and I'm like I'm just you know well, what's going to happen is going to happen and you just your mom and I switched roles because when I first met her you know I'd get laid off in the winter and so I would be you know money was real tight and I'd be worrying where this is how this was going to get paid or that was going to get paid she was always very calm and cool and collective and said everything would be okay now she worries, and I don't. I don't worry. You know, <laughs> so we kind of switch roles. Um, if you could do it all over again, if you could be a parent all over again, what would you do different? I would have probably spanked you more often. <laughs> <laughs> I just said how much I liked looking back, not remembering everything. There's been spent. a couple of times I should have got the board out and yeah. blistered both your tails, but I didn't. Your mom wouldn't go for it, so. Yeah. I don't know, Will. I mean, I feel like I've done the best I could, so I don't know I mean, how, I don't, how I could improve much better. I mean, I, there's always room for improvement, and I wasn't perfect. But I feel like I raised you guys to the best of my ability, and uh, I think you and Ben both are wonderful sons. I think you'll do it. You'll help each other in times of need. I know you've helped me out tremendously on stuff that I needed or wanted or or needed well, help with so 
well, it's the smallest repayment I can possibly give for everything you did for me throughout my life. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking back. Like, I don't – I ask that question because I don't know the answer. You know, it's like I look back and it's like I don't think you could have done anything different or better, you know, than what you did. So I could have taken you guys to church. I guess that would have helped a little bit more and – well, we did that a lot. Yeah, we went to church quite a bit. We could have went more. I mean, I feel like at uh, one point in my life, I was going on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday yeah. evenings. I mean, it was quite a bit. Um, all right, well, we're wrapping up. We're getting close to the end. But last couple questions from me. One is, how do you think it compares, and we already kind of touched on it, but how do you think it compares to raising kids nowadays versus raising kids in the 80s 90s 2000s and even more so raising kids in the 50s and 60s when you grew up because you know like when i was growing up there were no video games right we're the amish house we didn't have video games we didn't have social media we were lucky to get the internet at one point but well i'll tell you what the kids these days they really got it rough and i feel like the parents has got to be on some strict guard duty here to keep those he- kids head on straight and we didn't have to worry about that when you was growing up or i was growing up i mean heck my big thing during the day was get my little red wagon and go around and pick up pop bottles and take to the store and get me a pop and a cake you know <laughs> make 20 cents picking up pop bottles and you you'd like to just come home get on your bike and leave black marks all over the driveway or the sidewalk we still laugh about all the black marks on the sidewalk. <laughs> I'd do that for hours. So, yeah, it's, it's times has really changed. And uh, it sure seems like when I was growing up, you didn't have that much to worry about. You just got up and played all day and hung out with your friends. And oh. Well, last question. What's better, being a parent or a grandparent? Well, it's a lot less uh, stressed being a grandparent. <laughs> I mean, you can give them big hugs and tell them you love them and send them out the door, and then you're done. But, I, you know, I still worry about you and Jess. Not, I don't worry, like, worry, worry too much, but I, st- I still am concerned about making sure you guys are pulling guard duty on your kids close enough because there's just so much stupid stuff going on in today's world that, it really worries me that I got grandkids that uh, it's going to be part of that and yeah, have I mean, to make decisions. Well, it's tough because, you know, when I was a kid, it's like me and Ben used to walk down to the drive through in Mara on our busy road you yeah. know, growing up. And now it's like it's tough to let the girls out of your sight. You know, yeah. like they walk, they'll walk around the neighborhood and they'll walk a block or two away, but that's about the longest leash we'll give them oh yeah it's just a a different time but uh, we stayed outside from daylight to dark and yeah. just went i mean we went everywhere in the neighborhood because we knew everybody knew everybody right you know it would rain we'd sit in the middle of the road in a big puddle of water you know yeah it's different times for sure but um well what do you think of your first podcast how do you feel you gonna do another one uh maybe maybe a few weeks let me get over this one first (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks so much for joining today and giving your perspective and uh i'm lucky to get to call you dad well thanks will appreciate it